What's going on, Football MD fam? Welcome back to episode 54 of the Football MD podcast. My name is Michael Bowling, and I'm joined as always by my co host, Daniel Ronan. How are you doing today, brother? I'm doing great, brother. We had the NFL draft this past weekend, and you know me, I'm always super excited. It's honestly one of my favorite parts of the f- entire football season, so I'm as happy as can be right now. Yeah, it kind of feels like football's back. You know, we still have a little while to go before preseason starts, but we have some news to talk about, and that's always exciting. So for today's episode, we're going to be going through the entire NFL draft, all 32 teams, and kind of telling you guys what we thought about how each team picked, uh, the picks that we liked, the picks that we didn't, who we thought were reaches, and we're going to get some draft grades as well to give you guys kind of an idea of where every team lies. Yeah, not to mention some of these teams we agree on and some we don't. So we might get a little debate going. We might get a little heated here. Sure. <laughs> Sure. But just a couple of things to keep in mind before we start breaking down the 32 teams. And the first most important thing to remember is that grading a draft right immediately after it happens, you know, you got to wait for these prospects to kind of pan out, either pan out or not pan out. And the success of a draft isn't graded the year after. It's just not. So as for the grades, like I said, we will be giving them out. So our grading scale is as follows, A for excellent draft, B for an above average draft, C for an average draft, D for a below average draft, and F is a terrible draft, but no one is going to be receiving an F because, like I said, the draft just happened, so no prospect has played a snap, everybody is hopeful, and pretty much we're going to give every team the benefit of the doubt, so nobody's going to get an F. And the last thing to remember is, you know, these prospects, I would just want to say, all offseason, we grade them, we project them to be, you know, whatever we think they're going to be, and you never really know. Look at Philip Lindsay in the offseason last year. Um, Darius Leonard was supposed to be a reach in the second round last year. You just never know what you're going to get out of prospects, and then every year there's first-round picks who are busts and they don't perform well, so no matter what we say about a player, understand that we, as much as we're trying to give you the most insight and the most analysis that we can possibly give, it is all just projection right now. We don't know until they step on the field and prove it or not prove it in between the sidelines. And teams don't just draft based off of talent. They have a culture that they want to build in their locker room, specific traits that they look for in players that fit well with what they're trying to do on offense or defense. They're really looking for what guys can do, not what they can't do. They're not drafting these players to make them do things that they can't do. They're drafting them because they have certain attributes that align well with what the team needs. So all of these picks, they may not make sense if you're just looking in from the outside, but these teams, they are doing their due diligence and they're selecting who they think will fit the best for what they're trying to do. Without a doubt. And with that being said, no further delay. We'll get right into the Arizona Cardinals. They're the first team we're covering. They happen to have the first pick of the draft. You know how it goes. They selected Kyler Murray within the first overall pick and we're both in agreement here. A plus. They really dominated this draft Yep. from top to bottom. Obviously, Kyler Murray, Byron Murphy are both going to start day one. Andy Isabella, if he is not the starting slot wide receiver, he will at least have a rotational value immediately. Zach Allen, Hakeem Butler, and Deontay Thompson are all picks that I'm super high on. And that's value up until the fifth round. Getting guys that not only that I believe in, that I also believe can produce for your team early. And not to mention surrounding Kyler Murray with a ton of weapons to join Christian Kirk and Larry Fitzgerald and David Johnson already there. Then you add Andy Isabella, Hakeem Butler into the mix. Like, they're going to have weapons. He's not going to have many excuses except for that offensive line. That's my only problem with this draft. They got no impact offensive linemen 
in this draft class, and that's the only thing that I could really be, you know, nitpicky about. Yeah, that's my biggest concern as well, but I thought they had a strong draft through every single round. I know you're a little bit higher on Andy Isabella than I am, but a speedy, deep threat, that's definitely a nice weapon to add to the offense. And then six foot five wide receiver and Hakeem Butler, love the weapons that they added to that offense. And like I said, Keyshawn Johnson, he's a talented route runner that they can rotate in when needed. And even with their last pick, Mr. Irrelevant, they drafted tight end Caleb Wilson. That was a team need. They needed a tight end to come in unless they want to rely on Ricky Seals-Jones every week. That's not something that they want to do. So I even like how they ended their draft. You know, with that said, I'll let you, because I'm just so disappointed, I'll let you kick off the next team. Yeah, our next team here, we are going in alphabetical order. So we have my co-host Dan's team, the Atlanta Falcons, and I gave them a C plus. I think you're even a little lower on their draft than I was. And I would have liked their draft a lot more if they filled their need at defensive tackle by trading up for a guy like Ed Oliver or Christian Wilkins. But they definitely bolstered their offensive line, selecting guard Chris Lindstrom and and tackle Caleb McGarry, both in the first round. Two big body players to man the trenches. We saw what that did for the Colts in 2018. But I didn't think they needed to spend two first round picks on their line. And they didn't do much on day three to really impress me. It just felt like they didn't get much value was my main issue with what they did on draft day. Yeah, and... I gave them a D, and I, I, I might be a little harsh, obviously, as a fan. Maybe that's just the way I am. I'm harsher rather than giving them some leeway, but I have no problem with the Chris Lynchum pick. I do think he's probably the best guard in the draft, so at 14, it might be a little early, but, you know, I'm okay with it. Trading up back into the first round for Caleb McGarry when he probably would have been there in the 14th pick in the second round is where I'm really questionable because I thought that was a little bit of reach. Now, as a Falcons fan... I'm okay with building up front. I'm okay. Like I, that's I'm all for it. But value those two guys. Like there was other guys on the board I probably would have taken at the position. Then you end up with no day two picks, right? So now you're not picking until day three, and almost every single one of their picks, there was a better guy on the board at the time that I think would have fit better. Now we do need cornerbacks, so I'm happy that they took a cornerback. But Kendall Sheffield wasn't the guy I really necessarily would have went with. Um, th- my favorite pick was John Kaminsky, um, D.N. Charleston. He comes from a small school, but he has all the potential. He graded bigger and faster than Nick Bosa. So he's got some potential. You know, He's got a developmental prospect, but overall, two running backs. I know Marcus Green, they now have listed as a wide receiver, but he was technically a running back. I just, let's put it this way. I love that the strategy that they went in the draft they picked the right positions I was just a little bit questionable on the actual selections like the players they selected but with that being said we'll move right on the next team is the Baltimore Ravens I gave them a C Mike what you give them I give them a B I liked what they did this year I mean I'm okay with it I mean I'm a huge fan of Miles Boykin in the third round Marquise Brown in the first round was a great pick I also like you know the second I also like Jalen Ferguson I like Justice Hill but for a team that lost C.J. Mosley and two other very talented two other very talented linebackers to not really address the defensive side of the ball at all, and I know they've been stout on defense, I know they've been good, but they lost on defense and free agency this year, and they did not replenish through the draft like they normally do. Yeah, it was definitely a very lopsided draft, and not in the way that you thought the Ravens would have went after all of their free agency losses on the defensive side of the ball. But I love the additions of Marquise Brown and Miles Boykin to get Lamar Jackson some targets. Right now, their most reliable guy on that offense is Willie Sneed. You definitely don't want to go into the season with that. And I love the running back they selected, Justice Hill. He was one of my higher-graded running backs heading into this draft class. And I think he's a nice pairing with Mark Ingram. But like you said, the lack of additions that they made on the defensive side of the ball, they're going to feel that 
come the regular season. So, yeah, and I mean, like, you're not gonna. The thing is, you're not gonna replace a guy like C.J. Mosley, who's if not the best, a top five middle linebacker in the NFL. You're not gonna replace him with one player in this draft. So you know, what I'm saying you're not gonna draft a rookie and replace that. You more than likely need multiple players to to replace what he offered you. Yep. But they didn't take any. <laughs> they didn't get anybody to replenish. So that's my concern because he was obviously a big part of their defense being in the middle. Yeah, and next up, we have a team that I thought they did an excellent job in the draft. This is the Buffalo Bills. I gave them an A grade. I thought they had one of the better drafts. Trading up to get Cody Ford in the second, I thought was a steal. He can start at right tackle or move inside and play guard if they need him to. In the third round, they scored Dawson Knox, an athletic tight end who can also block in the backfield. And they got running back Devin Singletary, who I'm really not so high on, but LaShawn McCoy and Frank Gore, they're both in their 30s. So I think it's a good situation for Singletary to come into. He's not ready to play right now. We know that, but he won't be pressured to do so either. He can learn from those two seasoned veterans. And I think additions like Singletary, Terry, Dawson Knox, improving the offensive line. That's huge for a young quarterback like Josh Allen. They get him some easier targets. He's not the most accurate guy and some protection up front. So you got to love that. And then in the fifth round, they grabbed Voshan Joseph, who he also needs to be developed a little bit, but he provides some needed athleticism and coverage for the Bills. Yeah. And I'm on the opposite end of this. I gave him a C plus and I thought I was being a little generous. I love the Ed Oliver pick. Don't get me wrong. I think he's an immediate impact. Yeah, I didn't even mention that yeah, Oliver there. He's one yeah. of the very best players. That's okay, because I'm not going to talk about the back-end guys, because I love that Oliver pick. I love Cody Ford. You know how obsessed I was yeah. with Cody Ford. You were higher he's, on him than I was. He's a body mover, man. He can drive defensive backs, linebackers, defensive linemen at the point of attack, and he, like I say, he can move them. But after that, I'm just really not too impressed. Devin Singletary, I'm not too crazy about him as a running back in the NFL. Dawson Knox, the tight end out of Ole Miss, again, I'm not, I'm not too crazy about, and... The one pick that I thought was probably their best pick as far as value was Jaquan Johnson, safety out of Miami. I I thought he was going to go way earlier than the sixth round. He was a talented prospect in my opinion. I know that he was rated higher earlier in the offseason and he was falling. He was sliding during the offseason. He wasn't, you know, but I still thought he would go higher than the sixth round. So I thought that was good value. But besides that, I was really underwhelmed with what the Buffalo Bills did. And next up here, we have the Carolina Panthers. How'd you grade their draft day? I mean, pretty similarly, honestly. Uh, like, uh, very a little underwhelmed, honestly. Again, they knocked out the first pick, Brian Burns. Awesome value, everything. I love it. You know, Cody Ford went the very next pick in the second round, and they took Greg Little over Cody Ford. That's something that I thought, thought was questionable. It does fill a need, but yeah. of course, when Cody Ford's need, on like, the board, Like yeah. I said, like, there's better prospects available. And it's one thing to have a better prospect available on the big board, you know, a top-ranked guy, maybe at a different position, but you fill in a need, that's fine. But when there's better prospects available at that position, that's where I think, that's when you make mistakes, you know. After that, I'm just not too, like, third round, you could have got good value, and you took Will Greer. I get he's a hometown boy, he's from the area, but, you know, he's going to offer you no value for the Carolina Panthers, because he's going to sit behind Cam Newton, who's a very young quarterback, and he's never going to play, and then he's gonna leave and as soon as his contract is over he's gonna leave because he's gonna look for an opportunity to start and somebody will give him that opportunity later the only thing I can think of is maybe you get trade value if you trade him in like next year or something you say oh he's been developed a little bit and now you can trade him and maybe but just a very questionable pick in the third round when there's still a lot of talent that can help that team now you yeah know, I, mean? I think, that, left on I the think board. that quarterback pick was more of an insurance 
issue. Obviously, Cam Newton's shoulder, I'm pretty concerned over it. It doesn't, you know, there's so much wear and tear on his body just from his play style. So I think they wanted to have that successor in place should it be needed. But I, yeah, like you said, I think in the third round, that's a little early to get an insurance policy on Cam Newton. And I don't doubt that Will Greer wouldn't have been taken in that area anyway. I think that was a steal as far as I'm concerned. Will Greer was a but, better but, quarterback but, prospect. But for a team that actually yeah. needs a quarterback right now. Like, yeah. like he would have fit with the Bengals, right? Yes. Where you're confident that you can start Andy Dalton if you wanted to this season, but Greer would actually push him for that position. In my opinion, Finley's not even in that position. He's going to sit behind Andy Dalton, and he's going to be the backup this year. He's not going to have any chance to play. Will Greer is actually, believe it or not, talented enough in my opinion, where if he, he was run in that situation, he he, yeah, he, he could be a starting quarterback. Um, I know that's a little bit of a hot take, but that is how I feel. So going to the Carolina Panthers, I just thought was a waste for both parties involved. A little bit, yeah. And uh, next up here, we'll move right over to the Chicago Bears. I gave them a B grade for their draft. They only had five picks, none in the first two rounds. So I really just graded what they were able to do from round three and beyond. And I thought they added some nice pieces, especially to their offense. Of course, running back David Montgomery. I think most people had him as a top 50 prospect. He was my number two running back behind only Josh Jacobs. So to get him in the third round, that was huge in my opinion. And that offense is just designed to get the ball to their playmakers in space. And a back like David Montgomery can make the most out of those opportunities. They also added, uh, I thought, a solid value wide receiver in Riley Ridley. I know he has to develop, but I like his route running abilities. And I think players like Montgomery and Riley Ridley will really excel in an offense that, in the type of offense that Matt Nagy wants to run. Love the David Montgomery pick, especially with Jordan Howard leaving. So I'm on board with that pick. But after that, I'm underwhelmed. Riley Ridley is not... I really think his value is inflated because of his last name at this point. Calvin was excellent in his rookie season. And I'm not saying Riley can't be, but he doesn't have the same tools. I really don't think so. I do think he should have been a priority free agent. I don't even know if he should have been drafted. He's just a little slow, which yeah. kind of surprised me a little bit. Yeah. I, I like his route running, but Matt Nagy likes fast players, mm-hmm. and that's definitely not Riley Ridley. So, and like you said, five picks, two of the five are in the seventh round. So, you, you know, you're not getting a ton of value here. But, like, if I'm looking on the bright side, the one guy that I kind of like in the seventh round, the last pick they had was Steven Denmark, um, cornerback out of Valdosta State. He has a rare combination of height. I believe he's, like, 6'4", and speed inside. Like, he has, like, he's a rare athletic gift. So, if you could coach him up and make him a better prospect, that might be an intriguing, you know, maybe transitions to safety or something, an easier position. But, overall, I was very underwhelmed with their draft. I gave him a C plus. I mean, I know they... You know, they didn't have much to work with, but even still, I I think they could have done a little bit better. But we'll move right on to the Cincinnati Bengals, who you did hear us already mention a little about earlier. I ended up giving them a B minus. What did you give them? I gave them a B, so we're kind of right in the same ballpark there. Absolutely. And I'll start off by saying Jonah Williams, excellent pick, 11th overall. I think he could have went top 10, so I'm okay with him at 11. And I'm always good with investing in the offensive line. In the first round. It's never the sexy pick. You never really get credit for it, but it is the right move because the game is won in the trenches. Not crazy about the Drew Sample pick, but uh, you know, like I said, people are starting to value the tight end position more. I'm not, but I just think, you know, I get it. The Jermaine Pratt pick is also a, a pick that I like. He's not athletically the most gifted player, but he was good in pass rush, though. Yeah, he's not, not going to do much in coverage, but, yeah, but he's, know, they needed a pass rush. Overall, rusher. in my opinion, he's a smart player who can you know, be developed into better. But again, not going to pay off right now. And 
Same goes with Ryan Finley. He's going to have to develop behind Andy Dalton. And that's my main problem is I told you in the offseason, I don't believe Andy Dalton deserves to be a starting quarterback in the NFL. So I think that's a mistake. And again, a couple picks, that, uh, a question. Two picks in the sixth round. They take Trayvon Williams, a very promising running back, Texas A&M. I get that if you want to bring in one, but then they bring in another one in from Rodney Anderson from Oklahoma when you have Mixon in place and Giovanni Bernard. You don't have a bad backfield to begin with. I mean, I think they're value picks, but like, you don't think you could have taken a developmental prospect somewhere else? Michael Jordan, in my opinion, might be their best pick. In the fourth round, Michael Jordan, offensive guard from Ohio State, might be the best value pick they made, so... I was a little questionable about yeah, it. And that was my biggest knock about their draft, selecting two running backs. I get that Mark Wallen, he left the team. You wanted to add a little bit of depth at running back. I thought Trayvon Williams did that in the sixth round. And then you're going to grab injury-prone Rodney Anderson as well. I get it. It's a dart throw. But like you said, there's other positions that they could have taken dart throws on. Especially on a position that you already have. You have Joe Mixon. Yeah. You got a covered. Good. You're good. You got you got like a, not even, you got an above average, way above average back in the, in, in the NFL. Like, Mixon's as, good. As a Joe Mixon lover, that one hurt my feelings. Yeah. <laughs> if they think they got to back Joe Mixon up. Joe Mixon doesn't need any backup. He's got this. <laughs> so um, we'll move right on to the Cleveland Browns. Yeah, I gave them a B. I thought they found some really good value in this draft. Of course, they traded away their first-round pick for Odell Beckham Jr., but they still managed to grab first-round talent by selecting cornerback Greedy Williams in the second. Obviously, he fell for a reason. Not exactly sure why, but he still was a steal, in my opinion, at 46th overall. He, he fell because he doesn't, quote-unquote, like to tackle. But Deion Sanders, quote-unquote, didn't like to tackle. He's a cornerback. He's meant to cover. And he's the best coverage corner in the draft. And that's ridiculous what they for him, Ridiculous for him to slide. But continue. Yeah, and then I thought the pair of linebackers in Taki Taki and Mac Wilson, who definitely, they both have room for improvement. But they should be able to contribute early on. So I like those picks as well. Oh, I had Mac Wilson as my, t- my fifth best linebacker, inside linebacker in this draft class. Getting him in the fifth round. <laughs> That's amazing. And Taki Taki, I love his game. I think both of these guys can contribute pretty soon, if not immediately. Yeah, and next up here, we have the Dallas Cowboys. I'll let you take this one over. So the Cowboys, I gave a B. Me too. I, I thought they did pretty well for themselves, especially considering they didn't have a first-round pick. Which they traded away for Amari Cooper, so, yeah. you know, a win there. Absolutely. You know, Amari Cooper is as good, if not a little bit better, than any wide receiver you're going to get in this class. You know, Marquise Brown might be a, more, a little bit more explosive, and Nikhil Harry... Nikhil Harry's better. I'm not going to go there because you know how much I love Nikhil Harry. Yeah, but you get but the like, known commodity yeah, at the pro level, exactly. so that's nice. And he's got some, you know, and he's still young. He's not old. No, so. not at all. But as far as the Dallas Cowboys are concerned, Tristan Hill, defense tackle, UCF, love that pick in the second round. Huge need filled, huge value, and honestly, one of the better players on the board at that time. So that's check, check, and check. You're checking all the boxes you need. That's win, win, and win. Um, third round. Pick 26, Connor McGovern, that's another one. Check, check, and check. That's value, that's need, and and that's you know one of the better guys on the board at that time. Tony Pollard is also promising running back, but I was a little questionable about that pick. I wanted to knock him down a few points for that pick. The one that I really the late round pick that I really like for the of them is Jalen Jelks. Um, seventh round. He's six seven. He's a you know athletic freak. He didn't really, you know, blow people away in the offseason. That's why he didn't gain a lot of popularity. But I think that's a prospect that you can really develop and eventually will be a solid defense end for their team, no doubt. 
Yeah, and I really like their fifth-round selections of Michael and Joe Jackson. They both play for Miami. Uh, Michael Jackson was a cornerback, and Joe Jackson was that was an edge defender. I like those picks. Byron Jones, he's going to hit free agency after this season, so a big corner like Michael Jackson I thought made sense. And Joe Jackson is an underrated pass rusher, so I like those additions to the defense. Some developmental players, but filling needs. And I always like when teams are planning ahead for the future because you don't want to be left with a void before it's too late. You want to have those replacements already in place. But we'll move on, and I'll let you take the next one. Yeah, next up we have the Denver Broncos, and I gave them an A. I thought they made a good move trading down with the Steelers in the first round. Of course, Devin Bush would have been a great addition to that Denver defense, but they picked up an extra second rounder this year as well as a third in 2020, so I like that move. And they still managed to grab tight end Noah Fant in the first. I like that selection. We know quarterback Joe Flacco, he might not be there for a long time, but he loves to target the tight ends. I think he has like a 74% completion percentage when targeting the position. So you like bolstering the offense in that way. And then that extra pick in the second round, that then allowed them to grab their hopeful quarterback of the future in Drew Locke, as well as a versatile offensive lineman in Dalton Reisner, a four-year starter from Kansas State. I thought they were both great values. I know it was expected, but I really like the situation that Locke fell into as well. As a second round pick, he won't be pressured to contribute right away. And I think that's perfect let your quarterback develop for at least a year before you throw him out there on the field no doubt I understand the Drew Locke pick but it's not going to impact them this year I graded them a little bit lower I have them at a B minus because this is the one thing I talked to you in length about and it's I just don't see the value in tight end in the first round I'm sorry I don't see it um it's a position that not that I don't think is important and I'm not saying there's not difference makers at the position but I'm saying all in all, it's not something that I really value that high in a draft when there's defensive players on the board, mm-hmm. offensive weapons on the board. I just, I would, it's the last offensive weapon position that I would draft over running back and wide receiver. I don't value any of them too much. Yeah. But I mean, you're really hoping you get yeah. that Kittle, Ertz, Kelsey type player, which how many are I mean, there really? a dime a dozen. Yeah. yeah. So I just don't see the value. Like just for example, like the last tight end taken in the top 10 in like maybe like the last 15 years was Eric Ebron. Mm-hmm. how well did that pay off and he might have paid off for the Colts last year yeah, five the, years in but the Detroit Lions are the ones who drafted him eighth overall yeah. so you know <laughs> as far <laughs> as the Denver Broncos in concern I love the Dalton Risner pick no fan I don't see the value he's gonna start this year but I just don't see the value at 20 overall Dalton Risner is gonna start and I love that pick Tremonte Jones is a pick that I'm very high on the third third round pick out of Ohio State, defensive tackle. I think he's a good developmental prospect. But again, not going to pay off in the, right now. And the round five pick, um, Justin Hollins, outside linebacker out, out of Oregon. Same deal. A guy that I do like his game, but he's got to be developed. He's not going to play right away. So just in my opinion, you did get two starters right off the bat, but not one at good value, in my opinion, with Noah Fant. So... Uh, you know, they did okay, B minus, about average, maybe a little bit, you know. Yeah, and then as you alluded to, next up we have the Detroit Lions, and I really didn't love what they did in the draft. I gave them a C grade. I know that it's hard to be down on them for grabbing the best tight end in TJ Hawkinson in the first round, but with Ed Oliver still on the board, I, I thought that pick would have been the move. Then in the second round, I thought Jelani Tavai, linebacker out of Hawaii, was a major reach, but they did end up getting some decent value with safety Will Harris in the third round, and I'm not sure what made cornerback Amani going to butcher this, Oru Warle from Penn State dropped to the fifth, but I thought he was a steal. Otherwise, you know, they had nine picks, and I really only liked three of them. I liked Hawkinson, Oru Warle, and Will Harris. Other than that, I wasn't really impressed with what they did. Well, Amani fell because he is victimized by the same thing that Greedy Williams was the not really tackle guy. He's more of a pure coverage guy. And it hurt him more than it hurt Greedy because he wasn't the best coverage corner in the draft. So he slid big time and 
that's somebody that I was very disappointed in. You know, a lot of teams passing up because I think cornerback is always a huge need. It's a very valuable position. I thought the Detroit Lions did excellent in grabbing him. That's great value. I also thought the running back, Ty Johnson from Maryland, was a steal in the sixth round. He's a talented player. Isaac Nwada is a tight end that obviously he's not going to start because you take TJ Hawkinson with the eighth overall pick, but he's a guy who could play snaps immediately for you and tremendous value because he comes in the seventh round and that's why I skipped over the Hawkinson pick because you guys know how I feel about tight end in the first round. I just don't see the value, especially in the top 10. The one pick that everybody questioned to be a reach, Jelani Tavai, I thought was a pretty good pick. I was pretty a fan of. So I gave him a B. I thought they did pretty well. Above average, but you know they also didn't blow me away either. But we'll move right on to the Green Bay Packers, who I gave a B plus. I thought they did an awesome job. Rashawn Gary fit the best player available. Darnell Savage fit the biggest team need. Getting one of the best pure centers in the draft in the second round was a great pick. Jay Sternberger, tight end, Texas. Huge value in the third round and somebody who can play immediate snaps for you. And then they did really well with the developmental picks. Honestly, Kiki, Hallman, and Summers are all developmental picks that I think are going to pan out. They're guys that I've had on my radar that I, you know, I knew by name. I've watched their tape and guys that I really actually do believe in. And lastly, their their only other pick that I haven't touched on is Dexter Williams. And with their weak running back depth chart, he could be the number two on the depth chart. Mm-hmm. Really. Like, you know, Aaron Jones is going to be one, no doubt. I believe he has the ability to surpass Jamal Williams on the depth chart, undoubtedly. So a guy that might pay dividends in his first season in the sixth round. I think that they did an excellent job. They crushed it. Yeah, I also gave them a B plus, actually. High five on that. And I know there were some question marks surrounding the Rashawn Gary pick due to some question marks after his lack of production at Michigan, but he has all the athletic traits to excel in the Packers scheme, and they might even have him play on the inside at first since they just brought in Zadarius Smith and Preston Smith in free agency, so he could end up being a nice compliment there. I really like what the Packers did in this draft. And now next up, we have the Houston Texans. I really thought they reached on a lot of guys, and I guess they filled some needs, so I guess it really wasn't a bad draft. They focused on adding big, long players on both sides of the ball. I ended up giving them a C grade. Um, They drafted tackle Titus Howard out of Alabama in the first round. I thought that was a reach, but we know offensive line was a major need for the Texans and the Eagles sniped them by trading up for Andre Dillard one spot before they got to pick. But then the Texans did double down on the position by selecting Max Sharping in the second round. So I do like that, adding some depth out of position of need. And I thought they added some great value to their defense on day three with edge defender Charles Omenayu and cornerback Xavier Crawford. Both players provide solid size, length, and athleticism to the Texans' defense. And that was really the theme for the Texans' draft. A lot of big, high upside, developmental players, but not a lot of guys that I just think will make huge impacts right away. That's why I gave them a C grade. I don't think they made any big improvements to their team, even though they filled some needs. Well, I gave them a B-, so we're not far far off. I think I'm just a little bit higher on the fact that their offensive line was the worst in the NFL. So two picks on the offensive line. And they, had to, they, had, they had to go there. I Titus guess. Howard wasn't value, but it was still a huge need. And he is a talented prospect. Max Sharping was the value pick. He's a guy who's also going to start immediately on the opposite side. One's going to get left, one's going to get right. And both of them will start for day one. I think Max Sharping will actually be the better guy from day one. I Titus think so Howard too, will yeah. have some developing to do. Um, and then also their biggest need on defense is definitely corner. So Lonnie Johnson, I thought was a great pick um, for them, but after that, I was very underwhelmed. So you know, three picks and obviously not two sexy ones on the offensive line, but after that, not real a ton of value. That's why I gave him a B minus, a little bit better than average, but very slightly better than average. 
Yeah, and next up, I'll take the lead here. We have the Indianapolis Colts. I give them a B-plus grade. I like what they did in this draft. They traded out of the first round into the second and picked up another second-round pick in 2020, which I'm a big fan of considering they didn't have any glaring needs on their roster that needed to be filled in the first round. And they still managed to grab cornerback Rocky Asin at pick 34, who you really put me on to, Dan, but I love his measurables and his physicality to win at the line of scrimmage. And they really kept targeting physical and athletic defensive players with a lot of upside throughout the draft. So I like that a lot. They added depth at linebacker and safety and used their two seventh round picks on the offensive line. So I just thought they had a really well-balanced draft, not forcing anything and getting guys that really fit their system. And of course, I love the pick of wide receiver Paris Campbell in the second. I think he's a great compliment to T.Y. Hilton. He'll likely play in the slot, but he's six feet tall, over 200 pounds, and he has all the speed you need. So I think he can be used all over the field. Good luck trying to cover T.Y. Hilton and Paris Campbell with Eric Ebron going up in the red zone. Absolutely. I think they crushed the draft. You should be very happy. I told you Rocky Hussain was one of my very best cornerbacks, and I honestly will even say that I think in the long run, he might be the best one in the class. Like He might not be the most pro-ready because he only had one-year starter at Temple, but he is might be the best, most complete corner in the class. And I had the privilege of scouting both of these guys directly, Ben Banagu and Bobby Okariki, and I'm telling you right now, I love both of them. I think both of them can contribute immediately on your defense in rotational roles and develop into full-time starters. Paris Campbell is another guy who will start right away. Rocky Sim, will, like I said, will start right away. And then Kari Willis, safety out of Michigan State, Marvell Tell III, safety out of USC, and EJ Speed, inside linebacker from Tarleton State, all are developmental prospects that I see high, high potential in. I thought those were home run picks. EJ Speed, just real quick, I want to jump into him real quick. He deserves a mention. He had Division One offers coming out of high school, and he turned them down because, unfortunately, his brother was diagnosed with cancer in his senior year of high school. So to stay close to home, he decided to stay at a Division Two school so he can stay with his family and passed up on, I think it was like three or four offers from Division One schools. And he has all the athletic traits you want. He has everything. Like I said, he should have been playing Division One. He just was so mature at a young age to make that wise decision. He was dominant and productive in Division Two, and I, he'll need some developing because he does have to make a jump, but a great pick in the fifth round for the Colts. I gave them an A-. minus. I yeah. thought they did great. And that was another theme of the Colts draft. If you look at all of the players that they took, there's no character issues with any of these guys. All of these guys can step in, become leaders in the locker room. They're really building a solid culture on that team. So I'm a big fan of what the Colts did. Yeah, we'll move right on to the Jacksonville Jaguars, who I think we're in agreement with this one. They both crushed it. Yes. Um, Josh Allen at seven. He should have never been there. They take a Another great value pick in Jawan Taylor. Most people had him in a first round grade, and he goes in the third pick in the second round. Josh Oliver, tight end from San Jose State in the third round. I don't see like it's a steal or value there, but like he's also a player that could probably produce immediately this year for them, so uh, not a bad pick. And then they did very well with the back end draft picks round three Quincy Williams that's Quinnen Williams brother played at a smaller school obviously not you know as gifted as his brother but still you know you love the blood ties to the NFL Raquel Armstead running back out of Temple Temple is somebody who could immediately you know at least be the number two on the depth chart and we know how you know injury prone Leonard Fournette is so for you fantasy nuts out there Raquel Armstead might be a late round guy to keep an eye on and then Gardner Minshew 
quarterback out of Washington State. This is a guy who, he's a developmental quarterback prospect, but you have Foles for the next five seasons, and he you didn't sign a spring chicken in Foles, so you are going to have a succession plan in place eventually. Gardner Minshew is somebody who has a long way to go. It fits what their, you know, their trajectory as far as their team is concerned. Makes a lot of sense in the sixth round. And again, I don't think they had a bad pick. The seventh round, Dontavious Russell, definitely a guy who has to be developed a little bit. But he has all the physical traits you want. He just doesn't play with good technique and pad level. So a defense coach is going to f- believe that he can coach that up and make him way outplay his uh, draft position. Yeah, I'm definitely not a big fan of what the Jaguars did in this draft as a Colts fan. So <laughs> flip side of what the Texans did in this draft. I, yeah, I love the Jawan Taylor pick. I think he'll be lining up on the offensive line opposite of Cam Robinson. So you like that fit a lot. And then Raquel Armstead, you were talking about him. He's a similar runner to Leonard Fournette. Obviously not as talented, but if Fournette does happen to go down with an injury, there's no more TJ Yeldon there. So now they have a succession plan in place if they have to slide someone in. I just thought they got value in each round and a lot of nice scheme fits as well. So solid draft for the Jacksonville Jaguars. And now we'll move right over to the Kansas City Chiefs and just to keep this episode a little bit more concise for you guys we're going to cut it off here at our 16th team and we will be releasing a part two to this episode either today or tomorrow so make sure you're on the lookout for that but let's get into the Chiefs here I gave them a B I thought they had a pretty solid draft they gave up their first rounder in the trade for Frank Clark I like that move he'll fill the void left by defensive end D Ford I actually think Clark's the better player so solid move there then in the second round the Chiefs picked up speedy wide receiver Miko Hardman which was a questionable pick, but considering Tyreek Hill's uncertain future in the NFL, the pick definitely makes some sense. Hardman can play a similar role, moving around the formation, stretching the field, and making plays after the catch. I think he's a great fit for the Chiefs offense. They were just certainly more talented players on the board. And I love the pick of safety Juan Thornhill with their second pick in the second round. I think that's great value, and he'll bring some versatility to a Chiefs defense that struggled in coverage last season. He can play cornerback, he can play safety. That's exactly what the Chiefs needed. And then they added some depth at running back with the tough Darwin Thompson pick who I'm actually pretty high on. He's tough to bring down, forces missed tackles, and gets yards after contact. Spencer Ware's no longer there. Damian Williams, you know, he was good last year, but do they really want to be relying on him? So getting some depth at that position I thought was a solid move. Yeah, we couldn't be further apart on this one. I got him at a C minus because I was really underwhelmed what they did. McCall Hardman is not going to replace Tariq Hill. He's just not going to. We don't know what's happening with Tyreek Hill. I'll t- touch on that a little bit at the end, but McCall Hardman is not going to replace him, and there was better wide receivers on the board. That was a reach. I, I, I'm i not a fan of that pick. Juan Thornhill, I'm okay with, but again, like I think he has a little bit of inflated value because he tested so well at the Combine. A lot of these athletic freaks don't pan out. You know, They don't have the actual skill set available to you know thrive in the NFL. Thornhill, I think, will be okay, but right where he should have went, in my opinion, so not a ton of value. The home run pick was Kalen Saunders in the third round. That's the value pick. It saved their draft grade, in my opinion. But besides that, very underwhelmed. And, you know, I gave him a C-. And honestly, I think they deserve an F because they haven't cut Tariq Hill yet. I don't. The organization is just painting a picture in the NFL that it's just okay. You can get away with anything you want as long as you're a talented athlete, which is absolutely disgraceful. I know we don't touch on this a lot, and I'm not going to force you if you don't want to because we usually stay away from these things, but this is something that I thought I would weigh in on. I'm 100% against this guy in the NFL. I'm sorry. He just keeps messing up. He doesn't deserve the privilege of being an NFL athlete, and, you know, they get an F. I said I wouldn't give given out an F today. (laughs) They get an F for not cutting Tariq Hill. As an organization, they get get the F. F. 
No, I definitely agree with you there. And going back to the Miko Hardman pick, I know that I said he fits what the Chiefs want to do on offense, but I think a lot of other guys could have as well. Hakeem Butler was still on the board. Paris Campbell, if they wanted a speed guy, Paris Campbell's the fastest wide receiver in this draft class. So there were other fits that I think would have given them more upside and made more sense. Obviously, they saw something in Hardman that they liked. So I'm not going to debate with their evaluation process, but I, from look from the outside looking in, it's definitely a bit more of a questionable pick. But that's where we're going to cut this episode for right now. Be sure to be on the lookout. We're going to be covering the next 16 teams in an episode, like I said, dropping today or tomorrow. So be on the lookout for that. We're going to go through every single pick for every single team and painting that picture for you guys, giving our draft grades. And we hope you guys enjoy it. Thanks for joining us, guys. Look out for that next episode. And also look out for the draft reactions in its entirety as an article on our website at footballmdpodcast.com. Um, you'll see it under the authors, or it'll be right on the headline. It'll be really easy to find. So remember, guys, to check out the article as well on our website where you can get the whole thing broken down in its entirety. Until next time, guys.